Hey everybody, it is Trey Llewellyn here with Commerce Kings, and yes, you saw the title right. We got the amazing Jay Abraham on here. He is a legendary man worth billions of dollars to companies making amazing things happen and changing people's lives. I mean, that's what, that's what we're doing here today. So please be the first, I'm going to be the first one to welcome Jay Abraham. What's going on, Jay? Thank you, Trey. It's an honor, pleasure, privilege, and delight. So uh, have at me. I'm here for the betterment of your audience. <laughs> All right. So let's get, let's get rock and roll, man. Um, so I'm just going to dig right in. Okay. So I want, I want you to describe, well, I try to describe in Jay Abraham's terms uh, because I try to do the, make it justice, but now that we got you here, let's just make this work out. So can you describe to me the three ways that you have found to grow uh, a business? Sure. I have to start with a um, preface. All People right. come to me all the time and say, there must be a million different ways to grow a business. And my answer is, there probably are a million uh, tactics, techniques, uh, approaches, but there's only three proven, basically universal ways. And there are three advanced ways, and I'll teach them real quick. The first one, very, very logical, very, very uh, axiomatic, you increase the number of buyers. And that can be done by increasing your ability to convert, increasing the number of quality uh, prospects, leads you convert a lot of different ways. There's about 20 ways to do it. Second is you increase the size and thus the profit of the transaction. That can be done by selling a more expensive, advanced, expansive product service, combinations, packages. Number three is increasing the frequency or the utility value of the buyer. The key here, Trey, is that it costs you the majority of your time, effort, expense, capital to acquire the client, the buyer. Afterwards, it costs very little once you gain trust, respect, and credibility to uh, ethically sell them more. And by sustaining the purchase life, by adding additional product service, uh, offers to them. You have two ways to do it, by the way. You can you can have lesser risk and easier entry front ends, meaning making it easier to start a relationship, and they can be self-liquidating, they can be profit, they can be gratis, they can be any of a number of things, and then you add more expensive or extensive things on the end or package within or upgrade after a curative period and that's how you do it and that's how you grow uh, exponentially there are however three advanced ways and i'll share those with you too just one second first one is you penetrate a new market every year the second is you introduce a new product or service at least every year the third is you acquire on an earnout, meaning there's no risk, no investment, either a competitive business where you can consolidate and the economies of scale work, or a uh, an alternative business to your product, and I'll explain in a minute, or a complementary. So you have to say, what do people buy before, during, after, instead? And for example, if you were uh, selling a supplement that was ingestible uh you might say well i want to acquire another either complementary ingestible but you could also say if it's a weight loss uh, uh supplement 
Well, what else do they do instead or during? Because most people do multiple things. They do portion control food. They do uh, books. They do video training. They do equipment. They do uh, health clubs. They do uh, uh, you know, all kinds of methodology. If you own all those, you only multiply the way you monetize that need or interest. And I don't want to get too esoteric, but was that answer okay? Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, see, I, I love I love the three ways, and I love the I love the three advanced ways. Actually, when you say you know you're you're wanting to acquire a competitive business, but actually without any risk. So, can you can you give us a little bit more or dive into that a little bit more? Sure. There are many companies that are doing okay but not doing well for two or three reasons. One, they're not good marketers. Two, they don't have the capital to leverage up or the ability. Uh, if you can consolidate their product with yours, you can compete on two different. If they're doing okay, I mean, if you look at, if you search any category, there's not just one company. There might be a hundred. Well, all hundred aren't doing well, but just one isn't doing well either. It's probably five or six. So people are buying alternative products, you know, competitive products. If you own two or three, think General Motors and all their brands. Think Procter and Gamble and all their brands. Think General Mills and all their brands. Think uh, in any of these companies. Uh, 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 Lever uh, and all their brands. You can do the same thing and you can basically show somebody who's struggling to make a good living that truthfully, if you consolidate, you eliminate all their costs, they can make more letting you do it and grow and you give them basically uh, you, you peg it at what they were doing now, and above that, uh, you know, you get you get uh, most of the profit, and you pay them a uh, an earnout back for what they've got, or you just do a profit share. There's many ways to do it where you have no risk, no capital, and both sides benefit. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that actually makes you know total sense. I mean, I love that. So I don't. I mean, I don't even know. If- most people know this, but we actually mentor with, with Jay and uh, he's actually been helping us with our business as well. Both businesses actually like the consulting business and our uh, physical coaching business. So that's why, that's actually why I wanted to have him on here because what he shared with me over the course of what the last six months is it's been freaking crazy, but I wanted to bring that to the table to allow you guys to get a little bit of sprinkle of what that even feels like. Cause the biggest motivating factor handed down to us was actually a couple things. And the first biggest thing was, was a book that I received uh, four years ago that I got off eBay called The, the, the Marketing Secrets of, of Jay Abraham. That's a great book. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a fantastic uh, book. So funny. I mean, I don't even know if you know this story, but uh, uh, when I got my hands on that book, it was actually referred to me from uh, Russell Brunson. And he, he actually referred to it as number, the, one of the number one books that actually changed his life. I mean, that was, that was the book that he said. And so that's why I was like, I went out and I, I freaking grabbed it. And I, I mean, I always keep notes of it, but I always keep notes of who referred what book at what time. And, uh, and it, what's interesting is, I mean, I actually highly recommend that book because when meeting you, you recommended a book, getting the, the book, getting everything you have out of everything you got. And I read that book and it had the same impact on everything I do, especially as a visionary, because for visionaries, it just gives you like totally multiple concepts and strategies and ways. And it has a lot. It has a lot more. Oh. Uh, actually, I think it's got three or four hundred examples in it, so it's really 
easy to see implication and application. Yeah, so so those are those are the two books. I mean, I recommend uh, and, and as as a mentor, of course. But you you handed off this really cool packet called Relationship Capital, and that thing is amazing because it peaks. Which you you did like some sort of event in China or something, and you transcribed it. And I read through that the, the whole three hundred page transcription of that, and that's why I wanted to take the majority of like this Commerce Kings podcast because that to me was probably is probably one of the biggest most powerful strategies that I've learned in my little time of doing business with you and being mentored. And so now I have the man of the hour that knows everything and anything about uh, that on the call. So I mean, I, I'd love to just kind of let you kind of have at it. Sure. Okay. Well. Uh... I'll start with a premise that anybody in business who thinks they have limited resources are uh, closed-minded. You have infinite access to almost all the resources you want, and you have the equivalent of an unlimited checkbook that the checks only have to be cashed once, if, and after they generate profit. Now, it'll differ by the size of your business. So I got very deeply involved decades ago in the concept of utilizing other people's assets and access. And it tended to be more focused on intangibles, their brand, their distribution channel, their uh, affinity uh, group, their database, their, uh, their, uh, Salesforce, their distribution people, their uh, products and services that could be either packaged with my clients or my products could be packaged with theirs, their endorsements. Uh, and I started developing outrageously diverse ways to leverage them because I realized that there are so many companies that deal with the same decision maker you do who have been in business longer than you, uh, more extensively than you, who have invested, if you cumulative the amount of capital they've put into marketing, into sales, into structures, into people, into training, into equipment, Mm -hmm. you can leverage millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of other people's intangible assets for no downside risk, no investment, And you don't need much of a yield on $100 million to get a pretty good payoff. So throughout my career, that's the kind of stuff I did. Let me give you a couple of examples so they're not abstract. One of my first successes was a product called ICOT. ICOT's very well known now as a consumer product. It used to be a mail-order product. When we started, we basically didn't have any capital to market but we were able to analyze lifetime value, the the totality of predictable profit that a newly acquired buyer would would yield over a period of time, both annually and over uh, whatever uh, conservative forever you want to project. And we found that every time 10 people bought a bottle, a jar, eight would rebuy every month forever until there was a cure for arthritis, And of the eight, four would buy another product every month. And of the four, two would buy twice a year on average bulk to give away. And the net was that every time we brought in $10, $3 sales, we were accruing $50 net net profit 
on all 10, even though two wouldn't even rebuy. And with that piece of information, it would last until somebody came up with a cure for arthritis. So it was almost perpetual. With that piece of information, we went to, uh, we had no marketing. I went to uh, ultimately a thousand radio stations, television stations, publications, magazines, people who were targeting the same, uh, uh, the same uh, older profile market who had arthritis, bursitis, but weren't competitive. And we do things in their packages, but we got them all to promote on the basis of paying them on performance. We let them keep a hundred percent of the first sale and we actually gave them uh, an amount more than that. Uh, and, and all we wanted was rapid uh, transmission of the buyer name. So we, could fulfill right away because we knew that half of our repurchases came 15 days later. So with that, we took a product that was almost dead and we built 500,000 plus buyers. We got $160 million on today's rates of no cost advertising. That advertising forced retail distribution, meaning people would go to their drugstore, their grocery and say, do you have Icy Hot? And they would buy it. It converted from a mail order product to a consumer product, we were, which made its its asset value uh, about eight times more than it would have been as a mail order product. Same business, same company. It was sold. I didn't own it, uh, but I got a nice reward. It was sold to GD Searle, which was a big pharmaceutical company in Chicago that was ultimately sold to a one in New Jersey. And here's the hilarity. Because they were focused on consumer products, they did not, which is interesting, even care about the mailing list, the buyers, the 500,000 buyers. They did not care about the thousand media sources we had developed as distribution. We got to keep those. The only thing we had was a prohibition about selling arthritis products. So we just went right back and used all the same things and built another business. That's one. Another one was I had... I've been to uh, China many, many times straight. And the first time I was there, uh, I had a session at the end of my three-day program where they could ask questions through translation. And uh, a young man approached the mic and said, Jay, what do you do if you're too small and the banks won't lend you money to grow? And my first answer is, well, what would you do with the money if you had it? That's the first question I want to know. What would you do if you had the money? He said, well, I'm a small local motorcycle manufacturer. Only in China with 100 million population city could you be a local motorcycle manufacturer. But he said, I would love to go all over Asia, open a factory, hire salespeople, get dealers. I said, okay, but I'm trying to understand why you need the money. He's starting to get frustrated. He goes, I just told you. I said, you don't need the money. Your problem is a solution to someone else's problem. Bigger. I said, go all over Asia, find somebody who's not competitive, but complimentary, has a huge factory that's underutilized, already has salespeople, distribution dealers, and make a deal with them. It took me a minute and a half to explain that. I came back 15 months later, same guy comes to the mic, smiling like the Cheshire cat. And uh, he goes, I did what you said. And I spent my whole life traveling and answering questions, so I didn't even remember what I said. I had him repeat it. He said, here's what I did. I went to Asia, went all over, ended up in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, found the, the largest 
lawnmower manufacturer in uh, Asia. They had a second ship that was underutilized, made a deal where I had to bring the tools and the dies, and anybody doesn't know it, those are the mechanisms for molding and, and forming the metal. Uh, I had to train the people. They provided the people. They already had salespeople, regional offices, thousands of dealers. He said in our first year together with virtually no investment, we split $10 million of profit. Uh, another interesting story, and it's not mine, but it's very powerful. Uh, many years ago, the insurance company Colonial Pen was started to really focus on groups, on group type coverage. And they were struggling trying to break into groups that already had affiliations with other uh, uh, other insurance companies. And after a couple of years, somebody got the brilliant idea that if they couldn't break into an organization or an association, why not start our own? So they started the American Association of Retired People so they would have a captive client. <laughs> and they built that to 13 or 14 million and they, they, they generated billions of dollars of insurance. Uh, another cool thing, and this is hilarious, but it's a great story, it's true. There's a man in Northern California, and this is not my story, it's a colleague's, uh, who loved Porsche automobiles. Now I own one and I, they're nice, but I don't love them. He loved them, but he could never afford one. His dream was to afford one. But he found out that a small Porsche dealership was available for purchase somewhere in Northern California. I don't know where. And it required a million dollars. He didn't even have enough money to buy, at that time, probably an $80,000 Porsche. But he went ahead and applied and got the package. And he carefully read all the codicils and provisions and stipulations and uh, what I would call, uh, uh, what would I call it? Uh, they were not uh, loopholes, but they were opportunities. And he found one opportunity that gave him this idea. He realized that he could provide as many demos as he wanted as long as the demo is an unlicensed car with a dealer plate that you can drive for, I think it depends on the, on the state, but uh, up to three months and 3,000 miles. And then it has to be either sold as new or if it's got more than that, sold as used. But if you sell it new at a slight discount, it's still very profitable. With that piece of information, he ran ads all over Northern California. And they said, drive a brand new Porsche every year for life for a one-time investment of $75,000. And people would call it and say, here's the deal. I'm getting a Porsche dealership. You put down $75,000 and you will get to drive for at least three months a brand new Porsche every year. And uh, you'll never pay a cent more. And he got, I think, 200 people to do it. He needed a million dollars for the dealership. He got a million five, so he had operating capital. He didn't have to give one penny away in, in equity, nor did he have to pay back one percentage point in loan. And half the people bought the cars. He gave them great prices, but he still made profit. All the people became advocates of his selling them. And uh, that's to show, I mean, I can go on and on, but does that show you capability? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's massive. So, massive. So, you, like you just shared, whoo, up here, like big vision, like 
like Porsche dealerships, AARP, like all those people. I mean, I want, I want, I want to share with you. I mean, you know, you don't even know this, but uh, from from taking that idea, that massive big concept of relationship capital, because I've been actually able to leverage littler deals around it, and, and, and these little deals uh, work to bigger deals. Anyway, yeah, well, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you got, you got, you got, you got to start somewhere. So, I want to share with you uh, the three ways that that we've actually incorporated. Uh, the ideal or the idea of relationship capital. And the first thing was, I mean, I love how you say the problem or your problem is the solution to someone else's problem or someone might have the solution to your problem is the way it kind of the way to think about that. But as you, as you said, I mean, the thing was the first one that we did is we actually, uh, we let go of our, of our 40 person call center agents here. And, and we actually just ran out of leads. We couldn't, we couldn't keep them anymore. So we let them go. And so now I got this 8,000 square foot facility and, and cubicles and all this just kind of chilling out here and I'm, and I'm paying rent on it and we're not using it. So that was a big problem for us. So what we started to look for is people that have call centers that need more space. And so we actually found one. I mean, I was about a month and they said, hey, we're, you know, we're busting at the seams. We need a bigger place. We need somewhere else. We need somewhere to go and where to expand. And we said, well, well, why not have it set up with us? I mean, we got the cubicles, we got the ethernet, we got the electric, like we have all that stuff. And they said, that's awesome. And that was exactly what we needed. We, we were busting, they were busting the seams and we solved their problems. We can't hire any more people because they didn't have enough space is what they're saying. Their lease didn't have enough more space to give to their current agents. So we were the solution to their problem. So, I mean, I just thought that was freaking fantastic. That is great. And then the second one, uh, well, the other example, which, which you actually uh, helped me with, was, was getting with Lee, who actually runs Independent Living Magazines. So Lee's over here building a magazine, writing it all, right? 20-page article, uh, some really in-depth stuff about just how, kind of how to live independently. And then secondly, he's also doing the same time, at the same time simultaneously, is creating offers. Like he's creating these offers every month for his direct mail piece. So he's, he's a pretty smart dude. And he's really great at direct mail. I mean, he, he knows how to crisp the reader, like how to get them excited and how to make them read everything and get really acquainted with them and build trust and then sell them on the back, which would take, like it would take us years probably to figure out what he's doing or how to hire somebody to do that or write a cop, get a copywriter or do a direct mail expert, like all this stuff. And he's already doing that. He's already got 20,000 subscribers to his current magazine, but he's run out of ways to expand and grow. So that's his problem. And then our problem over here was we need something to mail out to our subscribers because we wanted to go do a direct mail piece. I mean, that was, that was our problem there. It was insane. Yeah. So yeah, you, I mean, you made that intro and we actually, we actually flew to him and we sat down at his desk and we said, you know, this is, this is what we need. And he goes, well, this is, this is kind of what we need. And I said, well, this is going to be a free, freaking fantastic partnership because what we did was we are now stuffing his mail or his magazine which is $139 value and giving it to our members. So we purchased it for them for free. And then we're splitting the profit share with the offers on the back end with the cost of the building. And, it, and it's freaking working. It's fantastic because like, I don't have to worry about the writing a copy or creating the offers or learning direct mail. Like I don't even have to worry about me trying to figure out how or what or what we're going to sell in it. Or like, it's just amazing. So that was my problem. He had a problem and then together we found the solution. Like, I mean, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, it was, it was meant, it was fantastic. I mean, that, that explosion, right? So that led to a recent reactive funnel event. We had 70 people at this last reactive funnel and, and, and there's two people sitting in the audience and one guy has this beard oil 
and, and that he's trying to get off Amazon, right? He's trying to expand. And then another guy has a barbecue sauce that is like super good. Let, it ta- let us taste it. He's in stores doing better uh, business to consumer, right? And both parties, we said, you know what? Our avatar, our gun guys, they grow beards, right? They're gun dudes. They grow beards. Our gun dudes love barbecue sauce. And, and it's just in the stats. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of, instead of us going out, right, and building an entire beard organization or an oil club membership or a customer service or a distribution or factory and ingredients, like all that stuff, which they've already perfected over the last seven years, I think it was. And I said, well, why don't we just email a little postcard or mail a postcard that goes in the mailer that we mail every month for our subscribers and give them the option to fill that out, mail it back for, you know, 10 bucks and then, and then you get 10 samples or something for beard oil or, or 10 barbecue sauces or something like that and built it into their continuity program. So then we do a profit share and boom, like now we got an oil continuity program. Now I got a barbecue continuity program. And, and the same thing is, is with the barbecues, right? That, I mean, that's what was so amazing. Like it didn't matter if they're getting a new spice or a new whatever, like they're taking care of that piece, but we're helping them build that out. And the, and the cool piece is, is the same thing here is, is when we send a coupon or we send a postcard and say, hey, do you want to try out the best of the world's best barbecue sauce for free, right? Or we email that uh, 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 postcard or something like that. I mean, what I want to do is send out samples and then they put out this continuity program because it's consumable. So they're going to keep coming back, but they're taking all of that stuff. They're able to expand that. We're able to grow their continuity piece and it works for both parties. Like it's, it's, it's working for us. It's working for them. They've added continuity to members to their piece. We've added continuity peoples to theirs. Like it's amazing. So that's, that's how we've been able to personally use a relationship capital from your advice. And Trey, if you would like, we've done uh, two or three uh, two-hour uh, short course primers on it mm. video. We've also transcribed it. I'll be happy to get the digital files over to you and you can put it on your uh, website if it helps you. We'll do that and we'll put the link. We'll put the link below this call. That'll make it easy. Yeah, no, no. So I'll give it to you. You can put it on your website. Yeah, we just put it on the website and we'll get it out there. So, uh, so almost, I mean, we almost got to go. We almost got to run out of time, but we have to do behind the scenes real quick. Okay. So, but so before we do, uh, can you share real quick your 50 shades uh, of gray, 50 shades of gray, Jay? Yes, but I got to share why. Okay. So, uh, anybody who's followed me for a long time, when I was your age, we were so prolific. And then I took a hiatus and then I started going back and working with all kinds of very diverse companies around the world. And my knowledge base expanded my understanding. And we started creating uh, an uncontrollable amount of really cool products, interviews, books, uh, uh, written material, uh, perspectives. And I found that there were certain people trying to use my body of work selfishly and file share it, and it crushed me. And so we decided five years ago we were not going to try to sell a lot. We, we do sell some very advanced stuff, but we were going to be the greatest benefactor that existed for entrepreneurship and that we were going to freely gift better content, better resources, better instruction, better expertise, uh, no strings attached, no cost, no opt-in, nothing sells anything because we wanted to be the one entity that invested in uh, the business world first. So there's about 800 hours. There's 
eight or nine hours on preeminence. There's, I don't know, eight or nine keynotes. There's Tony Robbins and I being doing problem solving. There's Damon John and I doing problem solving. There's four full length books. There's 130 or 40 uh, uh, different essays on what I call my business worldview and how I look at life. Uh, there's all kinds of wild stuff and there's no opt-in and none of it sells anything. It's just abraham.com right hand slash the, the, the new, you know, five, the five, whatever, five, zero shades, 50 shades, but put in abraham.com because, because if you put in 50 shades of Jay, there's another guy named Jay that does pornography and you'll go, What? (laughs) <laughs> but if you do abraham.com, right-hand slash, 5-0-shades, uh, you'll have a field day. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to hope that it's uh, at, a, at a, a level of, uh, of elevation, not just sophistication, but, uh, but value creation that will prove invaluable. And if not, then... Uh, not and all we ask people is if it impacts them, send it on to somebody else. But that's it. That's it. Abraham.com right hand slash fifty shades. Back to you, Trey. Okay, so that's it. So hey, real quick, uh, we're gonna do a real quick behind the scenes. So before we do, uh, let's just let Jay off here. Jay, thank you very much. This was invaluable. I mean, so much information. This is game changer stuff. This is gonna change people's lives. It's absolutely. Stunning. My great honor. I, I want to say to you that you're one of the most impressive and expansive thinkers I think I've met of your genre. And uh, my take on you is you have a lot of enormous expertise and value to give, to create, to share. And I hope people avail themselves of it. And say hello to your brother, and we'll talk soon. All right, will do. See you, Jay. Bye-bye.